Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Welcome to the T3Fit Scoliosis Podcast. We have been kind of incognito for a while, um, but we are back and we are back with a guest. Her name is Carrie Green. She teaches women, excuse me, women in particular, she teaches to master their anxiety and how to heal their nervous system. Carrie also has scoliosis and a spinal fusion, and she is here to tell us her story of all of it, of dealing with anxiety and mastering it for women and her journey with scoliosis. So Carrie, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this and be here, share my story. You are welcome. Would you mind starting with your story of scoliosis? Yes. So going back to middle school is when I started noticing that I was having pain in my back. And I had already had a couple of those, you know, gym checks. <laughs> Touch your toes. Uh, yeah, they didn't find anything which was, you know, bizarre because I already had a pretty um, significant scoliosis. Uh, went to the doctor, got diagnosed and was told um, the same story as most people. <laughs> you have to wear a brace and, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, so I think around this time I was in probably in high school, and I was wearing this brace that I was told, um, you know, you should wear it 24-7. But of course, me being like, I'm not doing that kind of thing. (laughs) I would wear it at night. And uh, I had, I remember having so much pain back then, and that was really tough on me. And how old were you when this started, when your journey with this started? Yes, the journey started in middle school. So that was probably around 13 or 14. I think when I started wearing the brace was probably like freshman year of high school, maybe around 15. And I remember not really understanding it at the time, kind of like making a joke out of it. You know, my friends would come over for a sleepover and they'd be like strapping me in my brace, like, ha ha. And, you know, looking back, oh, you know, that was pretty traumatic, not really funny. Um, I honestly don't remember what happened to this brace. Okay. I I have no clue. I have no memories of that. Um, but I do remember all of the doctor's appointments, the wait and see, you know, basically being told that eventually you're going to have to have this surgery. Okay. And they would tell, they would kind of scare me and say, you know, the longer you wait, the worse it will be. So, you know, we really encourage you to do it now, but I was playing so many sports and living my life. I was like horseback riding, playing softball, soccer, cheerleading, all that. So I just put it off. Do you remember what type of brace it was? I mean, like what year was this? Was it a plastic brace or? 
this would have been about 2002. Okay. Three. okay. I, it was, I don't know the names of them. I know it was like really hard There's... and all one piece and it's Velcroed in the back. Okay. But it was, did they, did they do a 3D scan? Do you remember? Of your, of your body. And then they, okay. And then remember, it's plastic and it's Velcro. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, um, strangely the, the day that they were like wrapping me in the paper mache. Okay. Wow. They did that then? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yes. That's because so that's what I had in the eighties. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So bizarre. I didn't know that they, it, yeah, it's a very weird feeling. <laughs> Very so good. okay sorry didn't keep yeah so so at the time during this experience of wearing the brace and being in high school I was in significant pain that stands out to me so much mm -hmm. um but you know I kept putting off this surgery because of course I didn't want to do that um I was hoping you know that would never happen but then you know fast forward to college I was in so much pain I, I don't even think I could take it anymore um okay. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'll do it on Christmas break. Because <laughs> I thought, okay, it's going to be no big deal. Right. Because that's what they say, you know, it's going to be no big deal. So I go home for Christmas break, get the surgery. It is a big deal, of course. You know, it's like mm -hmm. a year long recovery, but it was wild because I got it done, did my 30 days Christmas break, or not even 30 days, a couple mm -hmm. weeks at home, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. flew back to North Carolina. I'm carrying my books to class, going about my life, just totally really? normal. <laughs> yes. And the, and you were cleared by the doctors to do all that? Um, my memories are okay. so, uh, I think I was, I think okay. I was, I, they did not tell me to do any like physical therapy or anything after okay. it was kind of like, you know, you'll do your checkup next time you're home, we check. So I remember doing that. Okay, you're good mm -hmm. to go. You look great. Mm -hmm. You look great. So here's where I knew and kind of gets into the anxiety stuff and mm -hmm. the nervous system stuff. Mm -hmm. So after the surgery, now my back is fused. Um, I can't remember. It's like T1. T1. Yeah. Yeah. And now the, now the strange thing is my pain patterns were exactly the same after. And, and I remember thinking, you know, like, why is my pain pattern the exact same if it, at least on the top if that part is straight now? Right. Um, and, you know, so there are some other things going on in my life and I'm figuring out what I want to do in, with my life. And I got into like social work and therapy and mm -hmm. started learning about, you know, trauma and anxiety and all mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And I started to think, oh, maybe there's something more to this pain. Like maybe it's not totally about the scoliosis. Maybe it's right. emotional. Um, yeah. So that now we're fast forwarding even more to, mm -hmm. you know, after grad school and actually I was living in Florida and I still had this pain. Okay. And whenever it would happen, I would go into this total shutdown, just being like frozen just okay. totally frozen and hopeless and like being mad at the world and mm -hmm. mad at my body. But then, you know, I started learning about the nervous system and mm -hmm. thinking you know, there must be something more. And I learned that this, the nervous system can store basically like memories 
and pain patterns, patterns and emotions. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I sort of started talking to someone. I started learning that there was other things you can do for your scoliosis, which we were never told about. You know, back then, I never knew about scully Pilates and trough. Yeah. Um, you know, I was like, you know what, let me try some things and just see what happens, see how I feel. And I I started mm-hmm. a journey of like working on that and mm-hmm. it kind of melted away, which was wild. As soon as I started doing things for my scoliosis that made me feel like more in control again, mm-hmm. my pain melted away and now I barely have any. So do you think that if you hadn't had the surgery and you had learned about that, even with having without having the surgery that the pain would have subsided i i mean i i would say probably i can't say for sure Um, of course but when i read um you know read about other people's experiences and Mm -hmm. i i had a couple meetings with um aaron myers from spiral spine and read her Mm -hmm. book and you know she talks a lot about a lot of people who don't get the surgery and they come into the studio and they, a lot of this is so much, you're, we're holding so much trauma from all yeah. of these doctor's appointments and being told, oh, you know, wait and see, and there's nothing you can do. And if you think about that on a biological level and how scary that would be for your mm-hmm. nervous system to be told, you know, you have this condition, there's nothing yeah. you can do. That's going to make us feel totally out of control. So I think there's something to like, doing things to make you feel in control and knowing that you can help your body and you can mm-hmm. heal your body in many ways even though you have this scoliosis yeah I do think that you could reduce your pain drastically because the the trauma of it would melt away a little bit it's it's so interesting I just want a quick question do you know what your curves were uh I believe the one of them was probably 60 one I think the top one was maybe 55 if I can okay. remember I tried okay. to find those x-rays but they're long gone <laughs> it's it's so interesting because we um but it's so interesting because we you know there is with so many people I talk to who uh have scoliosis and they have pain and sometimes when, you know, when surgery is necessary, there's a certain dark space of this whole journey, right? And um, there's nothing that we can do to get past it. Uh, I know with my experience, it was a very dark time and there were no answers. You know, it was wait and see and get a cast, get a, get a brace, get a second brace, do your exercises, didn't work, surgery. And then that was it, you know, and there wasn't the support. And even though Shroth existed, it wasn't in, it wasn't recognized in this country at the time. So it's like you carry this darkness and the orthopedics with the wait and see, it's hard to take that on, right? Not just you as an individual, but your parents as well. And to create some type of support system with that. And, um, yeah, it's just, it, I hear it over and over and over again. Um, but thankfully, there's there's the knowledge out there now with Shroth, you know, with with um, with Scully Pilates, with Aaron Meyer, you know, there's tons of people out there who also who have spinal fusions, who teach Pilates, who do all different types of modalities and training, strength training, 
um, to give the support and not have it be as dark a time as it was. Um, but, and that's, and part of what you teach is that component as well, right? Teaching women to master their anxiety and to heal the nervous system is something that is almost more, um, more uh, deeper than the surgery because yeah. it, it gives us acceptance. It gives us encouragement. It gives us nurturing. Right. Um, so would you, okay, I'm going to stop talking. You share with, about it with us. Yes. Well, one thing that I, I think is super important and that I teach and I, I resonate the most with my own experience is because you're talking about the darkness, the dark time. Mm-hmm. I was in the darkness for, I don't know, 15 years. And it was a long time. I mean, so it it, it can, and that's why this is so, I feel so passionate about this because the thing about the nervous system is when you're in survival mode, especially the, 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 the frozen part, the Mm -hmm. the dark, which we call dorsal vagal fight or freeze, Mm -hmm. um, you can stay there for weeks months or years you could stay there for years because your body your nervous system is going into this protective mode when you're Mm -hmm. going through any kind of distressing experiences and and let's say those distressing experiences are they keep going and going Mm -hmm. your nervous system is so smart it's going to be like you know what we're going to do we're not going to be here for this we are going to shut down you don't have to be fully present if you're going to go through this. So when I was in a dark time, I really thought that I was depressed just from what I knew about depression, which was hardly anything. I just knew that it was okay that people feel down. Um, But there was another thing that I experienced, which I never understood what it was. I thought it was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. When something would like trigger me, I would become frozen. I mean, physically frozen and let's say like go in my room and not be able to come out even though I would maybe want to or I would want to like say something and talk to people and it's like a physical hijacking Mm -hmm. that's a perfect description of it yeah and and you were in that space I'm going to call it for 15 years yeah, I mean, you come out some days, of course, I right. I had, right. you know, I was functioning, and I had friends, and I had fun, and I went to college, and I was performing, getting good grades, but when, but then when I would be triggered or stressed, then I would go into this dorsal vagal, and then I would be hijacked again, and I would just sit in my room, and I wouldn't come out, and I would think, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so depressed, what's wrong with me? Now, what I know is like, oh, you weren't depressed. You were in survival mode. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that's something that I, I really want everyone with scoliosis to know about because mm-hmm. you think about being told you have this thing in your body and there's nothing you can do. I mean, what this dorsal vagal frozen piece is if on a, on a primal level is you have the fight or flight, which is, okay, you're running from a predator or you're going to fight it. And then you have the frozen state, which is now the predator has you and you're trapped. Mm -hmm. 
So if you think about a doctor telling you you have a condition and there's nothing you can do about it, your nervous system is going to say, hey, we're trapped. So, so how did you learn to get out of that? Yeah, great question. Part of it was noticing that I had this belief stuck with me that kept repeating over and over and over. And what it, what it sounded like was, there's nothing I can do about this. Okay. And then I was like, you know what? You know, as I was doing therapy and teaching people how to like change their negative beliefs and thoughts mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know what? Wait, I have some. <laughs> there is a cassette in my brain playing over and over saying there's nothing I can do. And when I would have pain or be triggered, that's what it sounded mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, I don't, where does that come from? Is that really true? How do I know that for sure? Like, are there things I can do? And I actually started seeing um, online, thanks to Instagram, all these accounts. (laughs) Yeah. And I started seeing all these amazing things that people were doing and, you know, actually getting uh, like suggested people's accounts that have scoliosis Mm -hmm. because, you know, Mm Um, and I was like, you know what, there's all these programs, like, so the belief started to shift. And then I, I realized that belief is not mine, actually, where that came from the voices of others, those Mm -hmm. appointments, the doctors, not that they wanted to traumatize me, but you know, that's just what happens. Yeah. Um, It's their language, their language. They don't realize they're traumatizing us, but that's a whole nother (laughs) a whole nother episode yeah Uh, yeah, I think everybody could jump on that and be like exactly yeah stop (laughs) don't say that yeah um I have a funny story about that actually after but you know so I started to shake up this belief and realize it wasn't mine and I was really curious about it and then I I found um actually uh the uh Vivian Doreen uh her scolio scolio fitness and I Mm -hmm. I don't whatever is going to happen is going to happen let me try it yeah I tried it my whole belief shifted because I felt so in control of my body now I was like that's wrong there's so much I can do yeah and that's when everything so, changed so you were already practicing the anxiety space for women yeah that you specialize in and and I say this not to sound like mean or arrogant or anything but you it was like it you were practicing what you were preaching yes so the and then it, it clicked yeah yeah so when I started um before I specialized in women with anxiety and trauma I I was uh doing other things I was working with like foster kids okay and um so I wasn't quite focusing on that yet but I was okay. in the process of learning about trauma And it was kind of aligned with my own journey and my work is like, the more I worked with trauma and the more I learned about it, the more awareness I also had of myself. And it's, I'm like actually grateful that it happened that way. Cause I don't know if I would have found out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so the journeys are, are really aligned, but the thing that helped me the most was the uh, challenging negative thoughts, helping others do mm-hmm. that and then realizing mm-hmm. like how many I because I was doing it in other areas but not with okay. the scoliosis okay not realizing like the beliefs that I held that weren't maybe correct it's it's um 
it's so interesting because I mean, like I said, you know, my own story with it was very dark. And when you, when you flip it on yourself and you're like, wait a minute, you know, and, and you have, as you said, you have that tape player that's repeating. Right. And it's just like coming back at you and coming back at you and coming back at you. And then you stop the tape and you're like, I need to change this recording. You know, I need to flip for anybody who knows what a cassette player is and how they work. You would flip <laughs> it and hit record on the other side. Good point. <laughs> and, and then, you know, it's like now it's all digital, but, you know, that's what we would do. And then you just change the conversation. Yeah. So that so that your recording, your repetition of a recording is something totally different. And when that starts to happen, like we just, our, our doors open up to what is actually possible. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and you get to give the gift of that to not just yourself, right. Right. But people on Instagram, as you mm-hmm. said, there's a world of us out there with scoliosis and spinal fusions. And uh, it becomes I can't even say it becomes a gift because it's so much bigger than that for us. Um, when did you, when you discovered this for yourself, how long ago was that? It was mm, six years ago. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. And you've just like, and what, what else has it given you and how have you translated that into people in our community and helping them yeah so at first it was very um I was very focused on the beliefs of it all like changing these noticing that we um hold these negative core beliefs Mm -hmm. that are kind of you know affecting us emotionally and even in our behaviors like if I have a belief that there's nothing I can do then everything that I do is going to be aligned with that right so at first Mm -hmm. it was very focused on that but here's what happened and how I got into like the the nervous system um, aspect of it all so I I had my private practice and I'm working with women to like you know challenge their anxiety with talking um Mm -hmm. you know kind of battling their let's say fears irrational thoughts negative beliefs about themselves and so I would have the most committed ladies in the world just wanting so badly to change their anxiety or their you know negative beliefs about themselves mm-hmm. and they would come to the session over and over and over and it would work you know during the session but here's what happens when you're in uh, survival mode for some reason let's say you have trauma or you've just been through so much chronic stress mm-hmm. it's really hard to change your negative beliefs about anything if you're in survival mode because it's almost like a different not almost it's like a different part of the brain is online like survival brain is different from logical brain Mm -hmm. so they leave the session and then you know they're still in survival mode those everything's still going to sound really negative okay And what we're taught in school as therapists is very basic, like grounding techniques, like, you know, you can breathe and you can, you know, do X, Y, Z, go for a walk and all of that, which is great. But I realized it just wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be something more that can get someone out of survival mode so that Mm -hmm. the work that they're doing in the therapy sessions or the coaching sessions is going to stick. And, um, 
so that's how I got, uh, I went, got into nervous system um, regulation and got certified in uh, neurological fitness. Okay. And for those listening, they can't see me, but <laughs> there's uh, so basically these really short uh, somatic exercises that you can do that make your nervous system feel safe. It's all physical, nothing to do with thinking. Okay. Like people do like body tapping and the, okay. the videos I make with like the shaking. <laughs> okay. And the okay. Around. Um, okay. So that makes us feel the nervous system feel safe. Mm -hmm. Rational brain comes back online and then we can kind of work on our thoughts after. So do you, yeah. So do you do the, the nervous system, I'll, I'll call them taps. And yes. then do you kind of, do you kind of follow through with like affirmations so that it's a building block of blanketing out the negative thoughts? Mm -hmm. Great okay. question. Great question. It's um just as, like what I, in the program I created, the process is like step one, we regulate, just regulate, feel safe again. Step okay. two is what exactly what you said, like, let's find some of the negative beliefs and then we can actually rewire them through, like, let's say tapping while you're saying it. So okay. my old belief is there's nothing I can do about my body, about my life. And you're like tapping as you're saying it. Then you mm -hmm. can have a new belief emerge that's like, there's always something I can do and I'm healing all the time. Okay. And it really sets it into the nervous system. Okay. It's interesting because I spoke with somebody a while ago and it was the nervous system and she was talking about tapping, just tapping on your temples, tapping yeah. on your forehead. And she had scoliosis. She has scoliosis and she didn't know her curves, but she did this nervous system tapping and her curves decreased and she grew. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And I was because that happened to me. Really? Yes. Tell us more. Okay. So after my surgery, well, here's another thing they don't tell you that the parts that lot. aren't used, <laughs> the parts okay. that aren't used can get worse. Okay. You know, they probably should have mentioned that so that I could have been a little more careful, but neither here nor there. Uh, so I, you know, moved to Florida and I was like, you know mm -hmm. what? I'm really curious. I just want to get an x-ray because I want to know. I haven't gotten one in so long. Right. Um, I had my x-ray from right after the surgery so my lumbar was still at exactly 20 okay. and then so that was 2007 so I probably got an x-ray done in 2020 and okay. saw that the lumbar was 25 okay and I got freaked out I was like so freaked out like whoa now this is not good <laughs> I yeah. need your nervous system is like it was uh really <laughs> activated yeah <laughs> it was really yeah. active um so around this time is when I was doing Vivian's program and I was learning about the nervous system and kind of just like really regulating myself I was doing all the things so many things mm -hmm. fast forward one year and I was like let me see because I was like kind of growing crazy about it let me see if we're the same better or worse right it right. went back to 20 in one year, back to 20. Really? Yes. And the, the doctor was, he was so sweet, but he didn't know. He was like, what have you, so what have you been doing? <laughs> I'm like trying to tell him, like, uh -huh. I'm regulating my nervous system. I'm doing scoliopilates. And he's like writing it down. 
he's like, okay, well, keep doing that. <laughs> and this was this the orthopedic you had seen before in the beginning? Uh, uh, so, someone different because that guy was in at NYU. Okay. Yeah, and this okay. was just somebody that I found in Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And what well, you know what I say if it works and it keeps us living in a healthy space and being pain free and it's empowerment. And from there you can go, you know, get stronger with either working with Viv because it's day with Viv, right? On yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw her just three weeks ago. So, um, but if it's her or, you know, anything with Schroth, uh, you know, just to have those, once again, those building blocks to increase our strength, um, not just physically, but mentally as well. And, and keep out the, the negative blocks, you know, the darkness of it. It's um, it's good, and it's great also because you gave the orthopedic information, and mm-hmm. hopefully they will. That you know, instead of having like the wait and see policy, it's like, well, look into this, look yeah. into this, and and not. It's so often the case where, if you go to see a doctor, it in some ways it becomes less about us, you know, and uh, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but you are based in Florida and you are from New Jersey, from up North. We were neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, then you were in New York and, and, um, how long have you been practicing all of this combined now together? All of the, so the, the program that I just created, um, which I call nerve the sore and it's an eight week program which is the Mastering Anxiety and Heal Your Nervous System for Women. I I just started that actually two months ago. So I have two founding members. Nice. Brand new. I I spent a long time creating it and uh, figuring out like the perfect way to incorporate everything, like the best things that I use for trauma and anxiety and therapy, Mm -hmm. adding the physical parts as well and then you know going step by step how we can really like you know speed up this healing process Mm -hmm. and it's this is an eight-week course you said yeah Mm -hmm. so I have a question for you if you know I always like to ask this question towards the end if you met the young Carrie when she was in pain and not diagnosed Two questions. What would you say to her? And if you met the young Carrie who was in pain and diagnosed, what would you say to her? Hmm. If I would met the young Carrie that was in pain and not diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I would say there's look for something like find out, like find out there is a reason for this. Because back then, everything was so confusing. Yeah. And it seemed more like uh, the universe is like out to get me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. life is unfair. Um, something's wrong with you. I would reassure her that there's a reason for your pain. This is very va- valid. And also, there's other things going on in your life too, right? It's not just scoliosis, yeah. I'd say it's okay. You can find out what's going on and take care of yourself. Like you can get 
help, you know, so I would be, maybe feel less confused and hopeless at the time. Mm -hmm. If I was diagnosed, what would I say that was, I, I think I would say the same thing. Okay. Because it was still very hopeless and very um, feeling like un, unjust, unjust, mm -hmm. like everything mm -hmm. felt unjust that I had this mm -hmm. thing happening in my body. It's not fair. Other people are normal. Um, I was very angry, very angry. So I think I would go back and say, it's okay to be angry. Yeah. It's okay to be angry, but you, you can heal from this. There are things you can do. There are things you can do. Don't listen to them. So I, I hear you and I hear me, but I hear the same, like, same person. Just I didn't, I didn't have anybody saying that yeah. to my young self. Um, but is there, yeah, is there anything else you would like to share that we haven't covered, haven't covered um, that you would like to tell the audience today? I love your last question. So I think that for anyone listening, that is the message. If anything, I would want to give. If you're feeling in pain or you're feeling hopeless or you're feeling angry and like life is not fair because of this, mm -hmm. take what we're talking about today and all of your other episodes and use that as like data, real data that you have a world, a whole universe of things that you can do to heal. There's always something you can do to heal, always. Doesn't mean you're going to take Scully out of the body, but there's, oh, we're healing all the time. Yeah. And I it just, I just want to ask this one question. Have you ever come across, or were you ever at a point where you weren't open to receiving? Or have you had clients who weren't open to receiving and taking this in? Because it can be a little bit of an adjustment for people to be like, if I do this, this will go away. And, mm -hmm. you know, with, with our bodies and with the curves, it, and in this country, you know, we're a country that wants immediate satisfaction. Right. And sometimes that doesn't always happen. So what would be something like if I tried it and said, this isn't working, you know, and I felt very frustrated. What, what, what else can... What else can be done to support that person, to help them through the journey? I love this question because when we're in survival mode, we don't, we're not going to believe it. So yep. I would actually, yep. I, I would normalize that. I wouldn't try to convince anyone to believe that because mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to believe it until you see it. So I would really validate that and say, and I would just explain you're in survival mode that makes sense. It makes sense that you are. And it makes sense that you don't believe that yet. Let's take one more step. Let's just try one more step. And that's it. Cause I'm not going to try to convince anyone of something they're not going to believe yet. So it's, it's about people. It's about validating them being heard. Yes. And explaining what survival mode is like, if you're in survival mode, you're not going to believe yeah. things are going to get yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, you're in that moment. You're just in it. Yeah. But that's, you know, in our world and in every world, we just, we often need to be heard. And when we are heard, then we can slow down. 
Yeah. And that's, that's huge. That's huge in what you're saying and what you're offering and what you're giving. And in this community, I mean, I can only talk about this community because I've lived with this most of my life and I have different segments of it. Um, but if I had had that when I was younger, it would have been so different. So different? It would have been so different. My daughter was diagnosed and so I changed the conversation. Um, but the fear was there and then we just slowed down. Right. Um, so, but thank you. Is there anything else you would like to say to the people listening to this podcast episode? I would just like to say you are healing all the time. Just keep repeating that to yourself. You are healing all the time. <laughs> We're changing beliefs as, as people are listening to this. <laughs> so, so everyone take that into account. You are healing all the time and just repeat it as often as you need to walk down the street, say it in your car, sing it to yourself. However, it gets you through it. We are healing all the time. Carrie, I would like to thank you very much for being a guest on the show. If anybody would like to reach out to Carrie, you can find her on Instagram, Carrie Green Official. Uh, she is listed there. I will post this in the show notes. Um, but Carrie, I would like to thank you so much for being a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. It has been enlightening. It has been empowering. It has been kind. And it has been validating. And I wish I had known you when I was younger in the beginning of my journey. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.